Welcome to the NLP View with your host, Donna Blinston. Each week, Donna will explore how the techniques of NLP can help improve your personal and professional life. And now, here's your host, Donna Blinston. Hello and welcome everyone to the NLP View radio show. My name is Donna Blinston. On today's show, I am joined by June Stoyer, the executive producer of the Organic View radio show. June has kindly joined me today to discuss boundaries and the importance of setting boundaries, not only for ourselves as the individual, but also for other people, so that they know where they stand and what is expected. So I'd like to welcome to the show, June Stoyer. Hello, June. Hi, Donna. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How about you? Fine, Donna. This is such a great subject to talk about, and I'm glad that we have the opportunity to discuss boundaries. I know many of the listeners that write in to me are talking about different issues that they're dealing with as far as environmental issues or uh, relationship issues, what have you, uh, that come about after different interviews that I've done. And it just seems to be a very common theme this year for so many different people. So thanks for taking the time to talk about this subject. You're more than welcome. It's certainly one that I I think is very important on a personal level, but also pretty much every single one of my clients has had some sort of an issue with boundaries and some haven't ever really set a boundary and then wonder why they're being crossed or, you know, they're that people are taking advantage of them and often the other person has no idea how that individual is feeling and it's because those boundaries haven't been set so that old feeling of being feeling like a doormat is often the person's uh, indirect choosing if that makes sense so yeah it is a very important uh, subject matter i do agree and it's interesting because people don't really understand the need for boundaries and one of the interesting examples that I offer to friends, family, coworkers, what have you, is an example that's that occurs every day, and that's a traffic light. A simple traffic light, when it says red, it signals to whoever sees it that you have to stop. You can't move forward. Mm-hmm. And when I, I remember when we had a, a the last major storm when the traffic lights were not working, there were a number of accidents, and it was completely chaos on the roads, and that's basically because there were no indicators to let people know when they could stop or when they could go, and unfortunately, people tend to be self-absorbed, and as careful attention as they can pay to the roads, sometimes the accidents are going to happen, so you really need something to draw those boundaries, and that's why the traffic lights are so incredibly important and the same thing in our own personal business and any other relationships that we have it's very important from the beginning to establish what those boundaries are now donna since you're a master nlp practitioner could you share with the listeners exactly what is a boundary and why are they necessary in so many different types of relationships I think the the main reason why they're so important is because they're very much linked to our values. The things that are important to us are hot buttons, if you like. And everyone has got their own values. They've got their core values, what's important to them within life. Um, but then that life can be spread out into the wheel of life, 
which has got many different spokes. So you've got your relationships, finance, money, business, your social relationships, your religion, um, and, and all the other different aspects of your life. And within each aspect, you'll have values of what's important to you within that different context. Now, when I say a value, so for example, one thing that's important to me is trust and honesty. But trust and honesty means different things to different people. And trust very much for me, it's not just that somebody trusts me, it's what I, something that I've said. They trust what I've said, if that makes sense. So when we're looking at boundaries, it's not just what's important, it's how the other per, how you know that that person is respecting your value. So it's what that value means to you. And it's it's that side of where boundaries come into. So another example would be, you know, your friends are important to your friendship. So when you then go and look into friendship, it's what's important to you about that. And then you'd start going deeper into that value to find out why that's value. And it's looking for what's known in NLP as a complex equivalent. How do you know that value's been met or how do you know that value's been crossed? So when a value is being crossed, it really gets to you. It's it's going against your core identity. So by set by being very aware yourself of what's important to you and why it's fundamentally important to you, you can then explain that to other people. So things like um, being on time. It's not just I like to be on time. I get annoyed when other people make me late because I'm going to be late because of somebody else, so I'm letting somebody else down because of somebody else's behaviour. So it's the multitude of different things that underpin it. So by setting that boundary in the first place and explaining it to other people, they can understand why it is you get so upset about it. Yes, and I'd like to just add an example that happened to someone that I know recently um, this particular individual happens to be a grandmother, and she said to her son-in-law if uh, she agreed to watch the baby for the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, they they had some sort of event where it wasn't kid-friendly, so she agreed to watch the baby for the weekend, and it was nice to have that quality time with the with her grandchild, but she did not draw a boundary as far as what time the baby was going to be dropped off and what time the baby was going to be picked up. And unfortunately, she had plans for an event that was not not necessarily around the corner, but it was quite a distance from her home. And unfortunately, because she didn't set a boundary as far as time, mm-hmm. what time the baby was going to be picked up, she was unable to attend her event and unfortunately it was something that was important for her for work and it was just one of those things where you can't just make up for it. Mm. It's It was over and done with. Mm-hmm. And she found that this has become a habit with her relationship or in her relationship with her son and or her daughter and son-in-law and it seems as though every time they ask her to babysit uh, even if it's for a half an hour, they don't tell her what time they're coming over to drop off the baby, and they don't let her know 
what time they're going to pick up the baby. And unfortunately, if they decide that they're going to pick the baby up at, say, 11 o'clock at night, she is kind of, she's not a night owl. She tends to go to sleep early. So it really keeps her up, and then she has a hard time getting up the next day to do whatever it is that she has to do. Mm-hmm. So the importance here is to set the boundaries from the beginning. You cannot expect other people to be respectful of what your needs are because they're not mind readers. Exactly. They're not going to know that you have other things. So it's really your responsibility if you want to prevent the aggravation from just setting a simple boundary and saying, okay, if you want me to do this and this, I need you to come here by this time. Mm-hmm. And then what you do is you also put in uh, just kind of like a backup uh, boundary where you say, if you can't be there by, say, 7 o'clock, you need to let me know by 6.30 so that either she can make other arrangements or just something. Yeah. And that's a good way to establish boundaries. Now, the question that uh, that I have for you, Donna, is what do you do when people don't respect those boundaries? From your perspective, what advice would you give to someone like this and what are some examples of things that they could do to make sure that those boundaries are respected? I think the, the first thing I tend to do is um, to get the person to look at the other person's perspective because it might be, in this case, for example, that the the um, the, the, the daughter, um, the daughter and the son, are completely unaware of the impact. They might feel that, oh, grandma's got got the baby she loves looking after her she's easy going she'll look after her whenever she's always happy and smiley so it's not a problem it might not be that case but it could be that it that she's been taken for granted without being realized she's been yeah. taken for granted exactly so it would be getting them to it's a technique called perceptual positions where we literally you've got three positions which are either end of a triangle and you'd place um grandma in position one get her to let all of her vent all of her feelings as she's looking over to the opposite side of the triangle which is position two and in position two will be the daughter and the son or one or the other and so she's speaking directly to the other person you then get her to go in and be the other person so be the daughter act like they are stand talk behave like the daughter would behave and for for her to act like the daughter, hearing what her mother has just said. And then you'd ask the the grandma, but being the daughter, how is she feeling? What are her perspective? What has she got to say back to her? So that the grandma can then start seeing things from her perspective. So it very much is standing in her daughter's shoes. Once she's gained all those insights, you then get her to move to the top of the triangle which is the third position. I like to liken it to a wise old owl. So from this position, you're dissociated from the problem that's in the the two lower positions. And from this position, then, you'd be saying, what what needs to happen for the grandma in position one and the daughter in position two and or son for this relationship to be sorted out? What advice would you give the grandma? What advice would you give the daughter? And it's really facilitating a movement to improve the relationship for the grandma maybe to recognize, well, actually, I've never actually sat down and said to them, they need to come in at such a time, 
or I've not ever set boundaries, I've not ever explained how I'm feeling, all those kind of things. Or it might be, actually, they are taking me for granted and they need to realise how much of a benefit I am. So that conversation needs to be had because I'm getting upset here and they're not recognising it. So it's just opening things out. And in this position, really, you're very much giving yourself advice, but you're because you're externalising it, you're thinking about it in a different dynamic. And from there, then, you then start to plan what you're going to do, how you're going to have the conversation, and have it somewhere on mutual ground, where, um, yeah, mutual ground, in a coffee shop, anywhere that you're not on each other's territory, so you can have that conversation, explain what's upsetting you and why it's upsetting you. And it might not be... It might not be the going out and her looking after the child specifically that's bothering her. It would be the being taken for granted. So by being able to express that and then for the grandma to decide exactly what it is that she wants to have as a conclusion from this. So if she does like we said wants them to know what time they're picking them up, dropping them off, and what is a backup plan if they're not here, then all that needs to be set out in the beginning so that she comes with options, different ways to go about it, so it's not just a confrontation at the person. It's very much a, a negotiation between the two so that they can understand why it's affecting her in that way, how it's making her feel, and what they can do to make it better for for, for all of them together. Now, in the extreme case where they don't really care, what do you recommend that she do then? And I'm just saying, you know, there are some people who just really don't care. They're so self-absorbed and they figure, well, um, and I've seen this a number of times, well, you know, Grandma, you're lucky that we include you. There are some people who actually think like that. Mm -hmm. What would you recommend at that point? That really is a, a question for the Grandma again. As far as, okay, if if that is going to be the throwback response, she needs to decide um, what she wants. And if she wants to see the, the you know, the baby um, once a week or twice a week, she could say that I'm available on these days at these times. And it might be calling each other's bluff for a while. It depends on what's, what's mo- mo- most important for the grandma. And it might be a case of rather than um, them dropping dropping the baby off, that grandma goes and picks the baby up and then drops the baby back off again. Excellent, excellent suggestions, Donna. Um, just another example, just so that the listeners can have some more of an understanding of different types of boundaries. What if you have friends that are kind of night owls and you're more of an early bird <laughs> and... I don't have this problem. I remember when I was in college, I used to, and then I just shut off my phone, and that was the end of that. But I know that I hear this a lot from people just in conversation where they'll get a call at a late-night hour, and it will upset their sleep because they go to sleep by a certain time, and then they can't get up the next day. And this isn't just friends. This is like, for example, someone that I know is a uh, private practitioner that does uh, life coaching and had a client that was in a different time zone and called up at, say, 1130 at night and just completely woke him up. 
What do you do at that point when you have very needy clients that are demanding of you and you're in a position where you need the business but you don't need to be woken up because they have a crisis? What do you do? There's a couple of different questions there. Um, Within the clients one, um, I very personally believe that from the beginning when you are setting a, a client relationship up, those boundaries need to be in place, especially if you've got somebody who has got that um, that needing uh, relationship who are codependent. And that does happen a lot, um, not a lot, but it can happen a lot um, with clients and life coaches because they do become codependent sometimes if the dynamic of the relationship isn't established at the beginning. Um, so it might be a bit of tough love um, from the fir- in the first place. It might be a case of um, for the for the um, the practitioner to set times and, and boundaries of when they can and cannot be contacted and um, end the calls. Um, if it is something that they're calling them out of hours all the time, and this is becoming the dynamic of the relationship is changing because it's. If the if the dynamic has changed to that way, you're not as a practitioner. You won't be serving that person in the best way that you can for them. So for me, very much, if I was receiving those calls at all hours of the day, I'd feel that I'm not being respected, which is something that's important to me. And for my client, I'd need to enforce that. So it'd be a case of these are the times you can call me. If you've got a problem with X, Y, and Z, write your problem down, send it me in an email so you've got it off your chest, and I'll answer it the next day. Um, And if it continued, then I'd have to end the client relationship. And often, if you're working with a client and um, and the work that you're doing is moving quite quickly and you're seeing the changes, which you should, especially with NLP, you do see changes very, very quickly, if that is a pattern that's recognised at the beginning when you're doing your initial consultation and you realise you should be able to pick up patterns of behaviour from the questions that you send out to begin with. If that's picked up and that's something really the practitioner needs to get set up and deal with those specific things in the beginning if they're looking to work with them on a long-term basis. So it might be a case of, okay, you've called me three times this week, it's not acceptable, these are the times. If you need to work on it, we'll have it an extra session that you'll pay for on top of the original package that was um, set up for. And it could be something like that to put it back into perspective. I think that's an excellent idea. Now, another situation that was submitted to us from our listeners is, and not quite necessarily from the client. The, the the client's perspective, um, but or, or rather the practitioner's perspective towards the client, but rather when it comes to payment from a client. One one of our listeners wrote in about having a difficult time obtaining payment from a client when there is a contract that's in place, but they've been friends for a long time and wanted to know, you know, what do you do when your client who you're depending upon, especially if you're performing the work in a timely fashion, mm-hmm. doesn't always pay you on time? How do you draw a boundary or set the boundary under those circumstances? 
it's, it's each practitioner to themselves. I do believe in payment up front. Um, and I think that's a quite expe- um, accepted. So well, this is not nece- this is not necessarily somebody who's a practitioner, but just somebody who's a business person okay, who is so having a hard time yeah. obtaining payment from a client, and especially with this economic climate mm. where it's hard to get new business. You don't necessarily want to end the relationship, but you also need to be assertive when it comes to getting the payment that's due to you, because otherwise it, you'll get that payment whenever. Uh, so, you know, what do you recommend for somebody, for all the business people out there that are trying to get money from their long-term clients? They don't want to upset the relationship by, you know, whenever you talk about money, it's always sticky, but in the same token, mm-hmm. they need to get paid. So how can you draw boundaries around that? It could be a case of setting up um, pay- part payments all the way through so that it's, um, you know, as far as as task completion rather than it being a big bill at the end. Or you could agree that at the end, such an amount is paid, then they've got, I don't know, 7 or 14 days or 21 days to pay within. And so that that's set up, if it's going to be um, quite a substantially big contract, then maybe a direct debit set up from the beginning so that money's gradually paid all the way through. And I guess it would be, um, again, set up from the beginning as part of the, excuse me, as part of the contract um, that they sign towards. And then, you know, I mean, things happen. You know, life always throws up its its different joys, doesn't it? And um, finances come in, work, things change. There's um, bereavements in the families. There's unexpected additions to the family. So it could be a case of, okay, um, having that meeting, you've not been able to pay so far. What what is happening for you and what can we set up so that we can get a payment within a month, two months, six months, so that a payment plan is set up. And it's being flexible, you know. I think flexibility is one of the biggest keys to success. If you can't be flex- flexible, then you're always going to hit against brick walls. You know, you have to be able to bend. If that person can't pay, it doesn't matter how much you start shouting and screaming, money just can't arrive out of nowhere. So it would be sitting down and working with them to work out a payment plan rather than pushing them further away by getting more agitated. Now, what if this just becomes routine where every month, no matter how many boundaries you draw, at what point do you make the final boundary where you say, okay, the payment is due, say, by the 15th of the month, and if it doesn't come in, you say, okay, well, you know, this is going to be part of the relationship for as long as I choose to do the work for them, Mm -hmm. or do you just cut your ties with the person and just say, after after this part of the project is finished, I will not be continuing? I think that's something you've got to work out for your own life balance. If this is causing you more stress and more aggravation than it's worth, it's what is the cost to you. Because it's not just, yes, you know, money is very important. It does make the world go round in some essence, in some terms, from especially from a, a materialistic perspective. Um, but it isn't everything and it's not worth your health. And if it is a case that you're going home stressed, you're agitated, it's causing risks between your family, then is it really worth it? Is that client worth 
holding on to. It might be a case of, okay, I won't do any more work until we get such an amount paid or I will work once such an amount, you know, once you've paid up to date or that's it, you know. Go through a solicitor, find out the amount of money that needs to get paid or do a charge against them so that it's it's just finished and finalised. There's got there's got to be a line that you draw and it's back to that, that doormat that I said in the first place. Sometimes, you know, people think that you're very easygoing because you don't express specifically what is causing you the problem. And if you've not expressed that very clearly, told them what's the problem is that what the problem is, what behaviour that they're doing that's affecting you, and told them what you want to happen instead, if that hasn't been put out as simply as that really and then you've not gone back and checked with them to make sure they understand what you're saying. If that hasn't been done, then is it you that's at fault or is it the other person? If that's been done and the other person's still not acknowledging you, then how much are you going to let them walk on all over you, really? So Exactly. Excellent advice, Donna. Uh, Donna, could you just share with our listeners the chapters in your book where you cover this particular subject? I've got a whole chapter where I um, I look at values, I look to, look at perceptual positions, just so that people can get to understand what values are, why they're so important to us, and why they're so ingrained, and get used to noticing what it feels like when somebody has crossed your boundary, and will cross your value in this essence. Once that's been crossed, and you get to, you know what that irritation feels like, then you can understand where boundaries need to be placed. And then the perceptual positions looks at how you can look at the different perspectives of the other person. And it's a tool that is excellent. I really, really love it. And it can be used in, I can't think of enough examples of when you can use a technique. Um, but it does give you um, insights into how you're being perceived and how um, the other person is feeling. And that is also in the book, as long as well as multiple different language tools, building rapport techniques, and understanding personality, I think, probably the best way to describe it. If you'd like to learn more about the techniques that we've discussed today, then pick up a copy of my book, Psychobabble, a straightforward, plain English guide to the benefits of NLP. Available um, online on all your bookstores, um, Amazon, on on Kindle, or via my website, www.donnablinston.com. And once again, June, thank you so much for joining me today um, on the show to talk about boundaries. It's been my pleasure, Donna. I hear so many people that I know, colleagues, friends, what have you. And also when the listeners write in after they listen to the shows and they talk about different issues that they're having, sometimes you don't necessarily want to get the whole, uh, I guess, um, diagnostics. You, You just want a straight answer Mm. and a more direct approach to some options and especially if they're options that are coming from a very credible source and now Donna you have such an amazing demeanor and thank you especially with all the things that you teach with uh, teach people about NLP and the things that you write about in your book it's such a wonderful resource so thank you for the opportunity to help some of the people out there that are listening You're welcome, Jean.
Thank you. And just for our audience, just remember, what behaviour is it that's actually bothering you? What is the problem? What is it that it's what is it it's causing for you? And then ask yourself, what do you want instead? Once you've decided that, you can have that com- that conversation without getting upset or agitated. You can have that conversation and then just check with them. Do they understand where you're coming from and how you're going to make it better for the future? Thank you for tuning in today. This has been Donna Brunson on the NLP View radio show. Have a great afternoon. Bye-bye.